thanks Kelly and uh, also Richard for, for hosting. And uh, I'll, I'll kind of try to move uh, in kind of the reverse order of the questions and try and uh, pop that. So the answer to the first question is uh, yes, it's a local artist um, that uh, actually did this cover of uh, down at um, a Big Sur. And he actually uh, is a uh, it's a, a monastery where the hermits live in community, and so they spend part of the time in the hermitage down in Big Sur, and then actually part of the time here in Berkeley. Uh, so, and, sorry, I like the theater. To decide, moving to Richard, um, I'm certainly not going to be able to answer you know, everyone's uh, questions. But um, I think it's, I mean, thanks for like, pointing out some of the similarities. As I, you know, I mentioned, it, you know, kind of uh, kind of getting into this uh, area where uh, I appreciate your willingness to consider cutting edge uh, Christian theology and dialogue with Buddhism. And at the same time, I think part of the reason that uh, current Christian theology is shifting is actually because of the dialogue with uh, Buddhism and other uh, cultures, and to try and you know shift away from some of the uh, well, medieval ideas that we were referring to. Um, I think one of, I mean, in particular, the idea. That you were talking about with Anne Klein's work with uh, the uh, formation of the self. I mean, it's not something that I had in mind, even in ineffability. But I mean, it's good. It, thanks for pointing out that you know when I'm talking, since in the abstract about an individual making decisions, then I'm thinking of that you know from a kind of an information perspective of those decisions, and I'll kind of put it in you know, a broad cultural context. But you know, kind of like as Mary was saying, you know, thinking of things holistic, there's one thing to think of holistic things holistically and then actually get down into what's formulating that holism. And then pointing out kind of the political and the economic factors um, is not something that I had considered, how those decision makings in the culture is not just about the language, but I mean it's about, you know, the the power dynamics that are behind some of the ways in which that language forms. And that uh, I can see how that would certainly be reinforced by uh, capitalism where it is, you know, especially as it's done here where it's the individual that's actually making those uh, decisions rather than, you know, from some collective, uh, some, uh, some family, which uh, I mean, it's interesting in that, I mean, I had a thought of it that actually, in a sense, kind of underlines a little bit of what I'm trying to do in talking about, you know, kind of collective memory and a collective decision uh, making. So I'll, I'll think more uh, about that. Um, and, I mean, it came up with, you know, both Richard and with, with Dyke, the question of, of hierarchy. And, uh, In talking about it in 
terms of systems, then the hierarchies are there as a way of differentiating between these levels of existence. So, you know, the, you know, the question of does, you know, it can, uh, I guess I will kind of mixed responses, I mean, you know, Doug's question of can mind extend beyond the brain, is kind of related to Richard's question of, you know, what's the relationship between, you know, um, aspiration, breathing, and a political system. So the, the view that I've, I've taken by kind of nesting these hierarchies is that materially, that it's, that the mind does depend upon the brain, and that you know political systems depend upon individuals that are you know alive and interacting. I mean, at the same time, I talk about how um, those relationships extend beyond the individual; that they really do emerge from the interaction. That you know the cultural level, which would include the economic and political factors, has a uh, an existence and a reality. Uh, to itself that doesn't depend upon the individuals. Just like the human mind depends upon uh, what's happening in human brain biology, but does not depend directly upon that. And in, in particular, when something is happening you know, culturally with symbolic language, then it's something that can't actually occur just within an individual brain. It has to be within the relationships between those individuals. So there are a couple of different ways of, of looking at it. So there's this kind of material perspective where I'm saying the different levels are real. It's not that, say, culture is real like you know the table is, is real. It's that uh, the table is not as real as we thought it was, which is part of bringing in the subatomic, that even what we think of as solid matter is really this process of resisting annihilation that occurs at all the different levels. So, you know, we've kind of prioritized the, you know, our understanding of the physical uh, level. Uh, but as we've done that, we've kind of impo impoverished what's happening biologically and psychologically, et cetera. But, you know, that's not, only is that not consistent with what we're understanding from the social sciences, it's not consistent with what we're understanding from physics either. And so that we can look at these levels as ha each having their own independent claim on reality. Then the question becomes, how do we relate these levels? So, I mean, in terms of emergence, you know, talking about what happens at a level as being, you know, kind of more than uh, the sum of its parts. So it's a dependent opponent's parts. But then kind of the opposite perspective of looking at it would be, well, how do we characterize that more? So I tried to characterize some more in terms of information. So if we look at things that way, then the since the transcendent levels would actually be the broadest. Because, you know, to just kind of jump down a couple of levels to be a little more concrete. If we think of the mind as being you know, completely embedded within the human biology and what's in the brain, there's certainly biological systems that aren't a part of the brain. So from a material perspective, the bio biological systems are greater in quantity 
than the psychological. Yet everything that's happening in the brain has not just a uh, biological explanation, but it's also going to have an explanation in terms of the mental processes. So when something's happening in the brain, it has more information by looking at it psychologically, biologically, and physically than it would if we just looked at it you know, biologically. So in that sense, you know, when we look at something like you know, chemicals flowing between the synaptic clefts of neurons, then that has a great, that has more information than if we just look at the way it's, say, sodium and calcium binds in table salt. There's a lot more that we can look at at these different levels of explanation. And then not just mental, but if that thought process is part of a cultural system, then we've got that explanation, which is linguistic. If it's something that's generated, that had, occurs at the transcendent level, so it, for example, has some spiritual aspect, then there's actually more information there. So I think it's really, even though there, I mean, there's certainly the material hierarchy, then there's also this informational hierarchy, which is, you know, kind of the inverse of it. And so it seems like, um, so one of the ways that I'm hoping to avoid some of the limitations of hierarchy that um, were brought up was to actually, in a sense, use two different hierarchies and differentiate between what we tend to think of in terms of a hierarchy based upon you know, mass and energy and then the hierarchy that's based more upon information. Um, in terms of the uh, Another common theme that I've heard, which I think Richard brought up in terms of kind of the, the true principle uh, self, and then also that uh, Doug brought up in terms of kind of spiritual growth, and uh, one of one of the questions that he asked that I decided I was not going to try and answer, but, uh, <laughs> which was, uh, you know, how can I suggest wiser practices or ways of living? Decided that, no, I can't really uh, ex expand that much, although hopefully I can uh, regain an interest uh, for this within religious studies, that I think that, um, you know, these kind of wiser practices and ways of living you know, hopefully what I did can provide a better way of understanding but that I think what will happen is there'll be kind of a recognition within established religious traditions of ways of knowing that this can perhaps, you know, clarify or be used in comparative work, but that, you know, you know I would be somewhat surprised at uh, something new coming out of but then Mary spoke and was talking about how she was actually, you know, using this as a way of, I think not so much a way of coming up with totally new ways of doing it, but a way of finding commonalities across different methods, across different inter interventions. And so it seems like you know, the question of, you know, kind of, of spiritual of spiritual growth um, and the, the true false self is that 
there are all these different models, these different ways of looking at the individual. The, uh, you know, I mean, some of the, the way that uh, Richard talked about kind of within a, a more authentic Buddhist tradition and then also in the UC Riverside uh, study, that there is a lot of ambiguity about what's meant by the soul, the self, or healing, or something like that. And I think in uh, the presentation in the book, there's kind of, things are happening at a couple of different uh, dimensions. There's the kind of, you know, an ontological dimension that I'm trying to describe uh, the way things are in terms of systems, where the relationships are these dynamic processes that we try and describe in terms of the dis different disciplines and emerging relationships between that. And then there's the, the, the philosophical, the kind of the epistemological dimension of that. How do we describe these processes in terms of relationships, in terms of language? And, I mean, there's a, a tension there, especially in the pragmatic tradition that I, I worked in, but I think some of the questions about how to make the, the relationship is, you know, I can lay out these different processes that you know, I've been trying to describe in terms of you know, soul and spirit, uh, self, mind. But I think different, different views would act, might actually label those a little bit different. And I mean, I'm, I'm curious to, to uh, hear and find out more about ways in which you know, these different views are a different labeling of the system that I'm describing, uh, and, or whether the views are, you know, you know, require a different structure, where the, the, the system's approach is inadequate. But I expect we'll find uh, both. But in terms of, for example, like, you know, the Houston Smith versus the Aristotelian approach. And so for uh, the Aristotelian approach, I mean, this, this, well, so first the Houston Smith approach, you recall it was, you know, kind of a, a particular layer. Uh, in fact, uh, with that of uh, body, mind, soul, and spirit, then, I mean, if I were to map those on both levels, I would actually, what he called soul, I would call it kind of a cultural construction of the self. So a little bit more with the, the self, the stream of consciousness. Whereas the whole, from an Aristotelian perspective, is all of that. It's about how those things are related to each other from an informative perspective. So there's a little bit of ambiguity with, you know, in terms of, I mean, the book is Mind, Brain, and the Elusive Soul. And um, when Doug, for example, in his title called Talk About the Emergence, and I actually debated uh, when I was coming up with the title about do I do the elusive soul or the emergent soul. And in a sense that the soul is about both. It's, you know, it's about emergence in the sense that you know, making this, this claim about you know, this, uh, you know, uh, nature, uh, the I mentioned Bill, uh, is about the soul, and as the soul and the human person is an aspect of nature, it is about emergence. Because, you know, not just the soul emerges, but 
you know, the mind, the body, etc., are these collection of emergent processes that they differentiate across these levels. At the same time, it's um, when we want to talk about something as existing, you know, for example, the body or the mind, then we're having to put a label on something as if it's fixed. And the soul is not like that. I mean, it's this process of emergence that I think, you know, Mary was talking about when she was talking about the implications of healing as emergent. You know, it's something that is, it's, it's very much a process. Uh, it's very much is I mean, the emergent process. It's the way in which one becomes defined. But I think does resonate even with some of the, the more you know, popular view of you know, the searching and using the soul for searching. But it's not that you're searching for this fixed platonic spirit meaning, but that you're developing oneself through this process as one's you know, continuing and, as Mary highlighted, either you know, growing spiritually to participate in these transcendent level systems higher level systems, or the whole process of going from, you know, one system to another. And I think, I mean, there is that, I recognize there is that kind of ambiguity in the work, whether I'm talking about spirituality as something that is part of this process of emergence, or something that's happening at a particular level of emergence. And the way I, one way that I, try and reconcile that is that what's happening at the, the transcendent level is a way in which we're trying to describe in our knowledge what's actually happening through all these processes. And because it's happening at that transcendent level, then it's not something that any single individual is going to be able to completely articulate because it's going to take this uh, you know, community memory, this social process that hopefully frequently happens in religion, of trying to understand this um, process of what it means to become human um, over multiple cultures, over multiple 